Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey, fieldpasshockey.com and the Field Pass Hockey mobile app on the App Store, on Google Play. It's absolutely free when you want coverage of minor league hockey, whether you're an Ice Bears fan wanting to follow the Ice Bears in the SPHL, whether you're wanting to get an inside look on Knoxville's upcoming opponent, they play Peoria and Pensacola this upcoming weekend, whether you're wanting to follow all of these Ice Bears players that have been called up to the ECHL or whether you're wanting to see some former Ice Bears that have made their way up to the AHL, fieldpasshockey.com has all of that information for you. They have inside looks at all teams, at all levels of minor league hockey. They have photo galleries, live game broadcasts available on the app, and so much more. All of that is available to you at fieldpasshockey.com and on the Field Pass Hockey mobile app on the App Store or Google Play. Thank you for tuning in to the KIB Podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the official Knoxville Ice Bears podcast, the official podcast of the Knoxville Ice Bears. Joel Silverberg here with you. Not the best weekend for Knoxville. Lost three straight games in three days over the weekend. On the road at Birmingham, at home against Huntsville and then on the road at Roanoke on Saturday night. So going back to the road trip to Quad City, Knoxville has lost four of their last five games. It's easily the worst stretch for Knoxville so far this season. It's the first time Knoxville has lost three in a row, which I think is also a testament to how successful Knoxville has been this season. And when you look at Knoxville's ability to continue to find a way to get points, it's a big reason that Knoxville is currently still in the running for a top seed in the President's Cup playoffs, which are closer than we think. We're, we're a little more than two months away from the conclusion of the regular season, so a lot of hockey still left to be played, but it, it's going to go by like that as we get closer and closer to the end of the regular season. But Knoxville had not lost back-to-back games in regulation until this past weekend, and you know they bounced back from that regulation loss at Quad City by beating the Storm the following day, and to be honest, Jeff Carr was really confident going into that Sunday game, and he really didn't seem that frustrated after the loss on Saturday. And obviously, he was—he would have preferred to have won the game. It's not that he, he, you know, he doesn't think that losses are a big deal, but he knew very well. Here's how we're going to adjust, and here's how we're going to beat them on Sunday. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday. Quad City got three goals on wrist shots from the slot, and Jeff was. Pretty confident that, hey, as long as we take away the slot, they're not going to have much offense. And they didn't. They they managed to get two goals off really good passes in the slot to set up circle-to-circle passes that resulted in scoring chances. And that was the only offense Quad City had. But Knoxville dominated the second period and then controlled the game in the third. And, and so Knoxville was able to come away with a 4-2 win against Quad City after losing to them the following night. And then going into this three-game weekend... And I, I would, I'll go ahead and be the first to tell you, Knoxville was not overlooking Birmingham on Thursday. 
Knoxville knew what sort of situation they were walking into. Birmingham had several players that were on call-ups, which means you had a lot of guys that were fairly new to the franchise, but uh, and, and a lot of those call-ups came back in late December, so you had some guys that had kind of been with the team for about a month, but the reason why that was an important game for Birmingham, and this does not, this doesn't justify what happened with Knoxville. Obviously, anytime that you give up seven goals in a game, there are things that you have to look at internally, but you have all these guys that are called up to the ECHL that are eventually going to start coming back. That means all of these new guys that are a month or less into their tenure with the organization, they're fighting for jobs, and so they need big performances. And so you have the number one team in the SPHL coming into your barn in a game where you're fighting for jobs, and there were guys that made plays. Scott Donahue scored two goals the same way. Now, that's probably one thing that Jeff Carr would look at and say, okay, you let him beat you once in the slot. You can't let him beat you twice like that. You can't give Carson Rose a fortunate bounce in the high slot to be able to tee off on a puck like that. Uh, you, you can't make turnovers that lead to goals in transition. There are a lot of things that needed to be corrected from that game on Thursday night. In the game on Friday night against Huntsville, I thought Knoxville outplayed Huntsville for the majority of the game. And, you know, it it, it comes with a good forecheck by Huntsville to get that one goal in the first period after Knoxville gets the shorthanded goal from Jason Price, which starts by Jared Nash making a heads-up play and deciding to push the puck ahead instead of just dumping it down while on the penalty kill. And then you have Jason Price making a really good rotation with Dino Balsamo. Balsamo gets to the high slot, lets loose a shot through traffic, and then Price is able to locate it for a really nice backhanded rebound. And and then, unfortunately, you have the turnover by Sam Turner at the blue line. That leads to the breakaway by Kyle Clark. You give up the other goal on the rebound to go down 3-2. to two. Brady Florent comes up with a huge power play goal set up off a really nice pass by Rasmus Wax and Engback, and the score is tied. And Knoxville dominated the third period of that game in what I thought was just one of the best regular season experiences the Coliseum has put together. Uh, Knoxville Ice Bears fans have uh, to take a huge part and credit for that. It was a packed house. Preds night, the energy team from the Nashville Predators was in the house, and everything went well. And we even talked about it in our staff meeting after the game with, with the front office staff. President and General Manager Mike Murray said, we executed everything exceptionally well except the win. As far as the promotion went, uh, the jerseys seemed like they were a big hit. Fans were making a ton of noise. So to you, the Knoxville Ice Bears fans, you guys delivered on Friday night. And yeah, I, I wish it just because of the experience would have loved to have had that win back. Obviously, I think everybody in Knoxville will get over it if the Ice Bears end up winning the President's Cup this year. But you had everything that you wanted on Friday night. Knoxville dominated the third period of a tie game. Huntsville only had one shot on goal before getting that hooking penalty against Kyler Matthews. That resulted in Rob Dara scoring the game-winning goal with two minutes and 18 seconds left. I did not seem like a hooking call overall against Kyler Matthews. Uh, some would classify it as a stick lift, but... Uh, the call was made, and unfortunately, it was the spark that Huntsville needed. And and that's what can happen sometimes. Anytime that, uh, and we, we've kind of seen that with these Knoxville-Huntsville games, uh, I guess that's the fifth time they've played each other this season, and that's the fourth time that the game has been close at the end of regulation. Um, Huntsville seems to always get that late penalty, and on that power play it is usually finding ways to get really good-looking scoring chances. And they got one with Dara from the left circle. But you you, you kind of know, even though that Huntsville didn't generate a whole lot offensively through the first 16-plus minutes of that third period, 
Once they got that power play, you knew they were going to be refocused. It was going to provide them with some energy and some optimism that they really hadn't had. And if they don't get that penalty, I, I think it's almost very likely if Knoxville doesn't score that the game's going to overtime because Huntsville wasn't doing anything. But because Huntsville gets the power play, yeah, obviously you would have hoped that Knoxville could have killed off the penalty. But you give Huntsville five power play opportunities, eventually they're going to get one. I, I, I did think there were some soft penalties in that game on Friday. But overall, I thought Knoxville outplayed Huntsville for at least two periods of play. And really, with the exception of a five-minute spurt in the second period, there was no reason to believe that Knoxville wasn't capable of winning that game. So an unfortunate break for Knoxville. They take another regulation loss. Then they have to get on the road the next morning, go to Roanoke, a team that Jeff Carr had said had probably outplayed them in the first two games that they had gone up against one another. And once again, for the third time in three days, Knoxville outshot its opponent, had some decent looks, Austin Rodebush had a really good night in net. And Knoxville got a few tough breaks that broke the game wide open for the rail yard dogs. You had the late goal with 17 seconds left where Christian Stead appeared to get the save off a shot from Travis Armstrong at the point, And the puck takes an unfortunate bounce over him and ends up in the net. And then in the third period, when Knoxville's trying to battle back and battle back and try to find opportunities to tie that game and comes close, suddenly down at the other end, it's a three on two for Roanoke. And Christian Stead makes a poke check on Jesse Anderson. The puck bounces off of Anderson and bounces back behind Stead and goes into the net. And then from that point on, Knoxville's having to press, which leads to more odd man rushes, which leads to playing aggressive and taking penalties. Knoxville gives up the two late power play goals as a result of still having to push and try to get the puck to the other end. And it's just an unfortunate ending for Knoxville after what looked like another game where the scores tied for most of the second period and Knoxville outplayed Roanoke in that second period. They were outshot 15 to nine in the first period, but they got 23 shots on goal on Austin Rodebush in the second period alone and only scored once. So, you know, it's not for a lack of trying. It's not for a lack of putting pucks on net, but it's just kind of been a matter of some unfortunate bounces going against Knoxville after the first period, because in all three games this weekend, Knoxville was either leading or tied going into the second period. It's just a really odd way that those three games played out. And I don't think that's going to be the norm for Knoxville moving forward. I, I think if you, if you, I were to tell you, Hey, Knoxville is going to be leading or tied going into the second period of all three of these games. And Knoxville is going to finish each game out shooting its opponent. You would have thought, okay, Knoxville's probably not going zero and three. So you, you take some of that moving forward. Um, obviously happy to have Christian stead back. I'm, I'm sure that Christian's the first person to tell you that he would have liked to have had you know, a, a better night just in terms of goals allowed in that game on Saturday, but it's a total team effort. And I think for, you know, Stead, you know, it gets a bad bounce on the second goal. The first goal ends up being a three on one after a defensive zone turnover. He's got the three on two that he's got to deal with, takes another bad bounce there on the third goal. And then it's power play goals from that point on after that. So I think for Roanoke, it's, you know, you, you got outplayed down the stretch, but I thought you outplayed Roanoke uh, it, throughout the course of the first 40 minutes and just unfortunate that Knoxville couldn't find the net a little bit more. And and so we saw that at the beginning of the season where Knoxville was out playing teams, but struggling to score a lot of goals. And then eventually the offense came around and you started finding the net a little bit more. So uh, I would expect that that could be the case for Knoxville moving forward. Obviously you, you've got a big game coming up against Peoria this upcoming weekend. Peoria just had a 10 game win streak snapped uh, with a loss to quad city, but 
That is a game that Knoxville's capable of winning. It, it really outplayed Peoria the two times it went to Peoria back in December and had third-period leads against the Rivermen. They were able to put up goals against Eric Levine, who was just named the SPHL Player of the Month. So, yes, Peoria is a really good team. Alec Hageman is having a fantastic season. He might win the Kevin Swider Scoring Award. He might win the league MVP. Uh, but Knoxville has shown that it is capable of beating that team. And Knoxville gets Christian Stead back, so an opportunity for Stead to kind of hit the reset button after the loss to Roanoke on Saturday. You have Evan Moyes, who has been good more times than not for Knoxville this season. And also, being announced earlier this afternoon, as it's about 3.30 on Monday as I'm recording this podcast, uh, Stefan Brucato has been activated from the IR. So one of Knoxville's leading scorers, Knoxville's captain, somebody that's really good on special teams, somebody that's really good both offensively and defensively, is now back for Knoxville after three weeks off. And if this trend is anything like what we've seen from other players for Knoxville who have had time off, I would expect Brucato to come back and make an impact right away. You know, we saw Jared Nash take a five-game suspension, immediately started making an impact as soon as he got back because he took advantage of the time off and said, you know, it helped me prepare mentally. I wanted to be out there. I was able to kind of observe, learn some things, able to get stronger physically, and it's helped for Jared to come in and, and make a really big effort. And then for Stepan Timofeyev, you know, he had the lower body injury, three weeks on the IR, comes back. I mean, he had 10 points in his first six games uh, coming off uh, the his uh, three-week stint on injured reserve. So if that trend continues for Knoxville, I would expect Brew to be able to come back and make plays right away for Knoxville. I'm sure the team is very excited to have him back as well. So Knoxville takes three losses in three days. It drops Knoxville to second place in the SPHL standings, three points behind Huntsville. Technically, Peoria has a higher point percentage. Now, Knoxville can make that up a little bit if it can beat the Rivermen this Thursday night. Again, that is Thursday night. That's the only home game of the week for Knoxville. Thursday night at 7.30 at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. We've got Cupid's pregame mixer at 5.30 uh, downstairs. So you can come and register for that. And, and if you buy a ticket to the mixer that includes a silver level ticket to the game that night, it also includes a 16-ounce beer or seltzer and the chance to win a dinner for two. So if you check out the link that's been posted on social media, it's also if you click on the banner on the Knoxville Ice Bears website, knoxvilleicebears.com, uh, you can buy a ticket to the mixer and it includes all of that for you as well. So that is at 5.30 on Thursday night with the game set for 7.30 between Knoxville and Peoria. Uh, we're going to do something new. This edition on the podcast, I asked the Knoxville Ice Bears members to set us up with a mailbag. And so we got some questions that I'm going to answer on the other side, but Knoxville takes three games in three days, three losses, unfortunate. Obviously the guys aren't happy about it. They're going to look to bounce back this week as they host Peoria and then head to Pensacola for two games on Friday and Saturday. But we'll answer some of your questions as well coming up on the other side, right here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. In the slot, looking, shot, scores! Whoa, yes, an overtime game winner gives Knoxville a 3-2 win on the road. This presentation of Knoxville Ice Bears Hockey can also be heard while you're on the go via the Field Pass Hockey app. Read articles on your favorite team, view photo galleries, listen to live games and podcasts from across the AHL, ECHL, and SPHL by downloading the app, now available in the Google Play and Apple App Stores. I appreciate you checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey, fieldpasshockey.com, and the Field Pass Hockey mobile app 
on the App Store or on Google Play. And that's actually the first comment that we want to get to uh, from the Knox Lice Bears fan page. Uh, Lisa says, no questions, just a comment. Really enjoy the podcast. They give us insight into our team, the standings, and are just great overall. So glad the decision was made to start making these available. The intermission interviews with the players are great as well. Uh, appreciate the kind words, Lisa. And yeah, Field Pass Hockey is a big reason why we're able to do this. They uh, kind of partnered with the Ice Bears this year, and they do a great job covering all things in minor league hockey. But if you are into podcasts about the SPHL, I strongly encourage you to check out James Hayes on the Inside the SPHL podcast. I'm actually going to be joining him for this week's episode, so be on the lookout for that. We're going to talk shop around the rest of the league. Uh, really enjoyed doing this with James last time. And appreciate him coming by the booth on Thursday as he's based in Birmingham. So it was good to see him for that Ice Bears-Bulls game. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun doing the podcast. I um, hope the fans continue to enjoy it. And uh, hope that we continue to maybe get some positive feedback and some good questions for the mailbag as well. So uh, with that, we'll get to the rest of these questions for the Ice Bears fan mailbag here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. Dan asked, uh, not sure if this has been broached before, but if you could explain how it works with guys being called up and how they come back down again, being released, waivers, etc. Dan, really good question. Uh, so when a player is offered to be called up to the ECHL, um, they do have the right to decline that invitation, and there are some players that do. Uh, while this is not an Ice Bears player, one example that I actually heard from earlier this year is Nolan Kaiser, the defenseman for the Huntsville Havoc, and he had said, you know, I, I've had offers to be called up, but when I was in college, I only got to play about half the games that I was on the roster for. And so now here in the SPHL, I get more opportunities to play. And so I, I typically decline invitations to the ECHL and doesn't mean I'll always decline them. But, you know, he said, I've, I've enjoyed playing for my team here in the SPHL. And so I like continuing to take advantage of that. And you know, you may see for some guys that do get called up, they may play in a lot of games, but if they're a top six forward in the SPHL, they may not be a top six forward in the ECHL and they may be healthy scratched and they may not be getting as many shifts. And so uh, so the way that it works is that while a player is with their team in the ECHL, the SPHL team still holds their rights. So if the ECHL team releases them, they then have a couple of days that they have to clear waivers. They can get picked up again. They can be traded. Uh, but if they are not picked up and they clear waivers, then they're welcome to come back and return to their SPHL team. Uh, but they can't just go and sign anywhere. So, uh, you know, for example, Jimmy Perita started the season with the Knoxville Ice Bears. He was then called up to Worcester in the ECHL. Uh, he was released by Worcester, but then he was claimed by Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa released him, and then I believe he was claimed again by Worcester. So, uh, if he were if he were to clear waivers, however, uh, he also spent some time in the AHL with the Syracuse Crunch also. But if he were to clear waivers in the ECHL, he couldn't just go sign with, you know, the Fayetteville Marksman. He couldn't just choose to go to an SPHL team because the Ice Bears would hold his rights. So if Jimmy were to ever clear waivers in the ECHL, he would then come back uh, to Knoxville. Now, while he is in the, S uh, the ECHL, the SPHL team that holds his rights, in this case, the Knoxville Ice Bears, could choose to trade his rights to another team. Um, again, that's a hypothetical situation. Don't want anybody freaking out. There's nothing. There's no chatter about that at this point in time. Uh, so please, again, I repeat, that is a hypothetical situation. Uh, but while it, it does happen on occasion 
while players are called up to the ECHL, their SPHL rights can be traded to another team. Now, if the ECHL team never releases them, then obviously they never go back to the ECHL. Um, players, if they're not playing enough, you know, they can't ask for a release from their ECHL team. The ECHL team doesn't necessarily have to grant that, but, you know, they can go in and, and request a release and then return to their SPHL team if they want to, if they would prefer to go back to the SPHL in order to have more playing time, more shifts, um, as opposed to maybe, maybe being a healthy scratch or being a third or fourth line guy for their ECHL team. So Dan, I appreciate the question. I hope that shed some light on the situation, but yeah, it, it, Players are permitted to decline invitations. Now, a lot of players don't do that because, you know, you never know if you decline the first invitation, well, you know, will I get another one? Will I have an opportunity to be called up again? And obviously, it's a great opportunity for these guys to be called up to the ECHL, the AHL. And so you never know when you may or may not get that opportunity again. Uh, next question, David asks, other than playing for the Ice Bears, what do the guys do on their off time? This is a pretty broad question, um, but a lot of the guys, you know, some of them work out. Some of them have given hockey lessons in the past. Some of them have other jobs that they work. Uh, Jason Price, for example, has his own landscaping business. Since he is local, he's played in Knoxville for a while. So this is his sixth season with the Ice Bears. So, you know, he, he and his family are based here. So while the majority of the players are housed at an apartment complex in town, you know, Jason and his family, they're based locally here. So uh, some guys own their own businesses. Joe Tolls, when he was here uh, in Knoxville years back, he was a personal trainer. So he could kind of work from anywhere and do personal fitness and things like that. Um, you know, David Siegel had his own business while he was here. So some of these guys have other jobs. Uh, Kyler Matthews, for example, uh, some of them have other, have other hobbies. Uh, he's big into video games. A lot of the guys love to play games. Uh, but Kyler Matthews uh, apparently has a very large Twitch following, uh, so he's got subscribers. And and from what I'm being told, it actually serves as supplemental income for him. So he he's got some serious, uh, he's got a serious following on Twitch uh, when it comes to him playing Call of Duty and all these other games. So a lot of the guys like to hang out. A lot of the guys like to golf. Uh, so I'm I'm actually I've been very surprised over the last two seasons, spending more and more time with the players, doing more interviews. I'm surprised the number of these hockey players that really like to golf. And it, it's been funny because even though it's winter now, if it's 50 degrees out there, you know, a lot of these guys being from up North and from Canada, you know, they'll go golf at 50 degrees. So uh, that that's actually been pretty funny where, you know, a lot of us are thinking at 50 degrees, we're not going to go play golf or from the South. These guys are out there on the links if there's a course available. So a uh, lot of golfers, a lot of video games, a lot of these guys tried to work other jobs if they can. Um, so it's uh it, it's, it just kind of differs. It really does vary by the player. Uh, Anthony McVeigh is in grad school right now. So he is taking online courses through Utica, which is where he got his undergrad. It's where he played college hockey. Uh, so he is uh, getting his graduate degree right now. So he's kind of thinking ahead for life after hockey when he eventually does decide to call it. And, and he hasn't given any sort of timeline on when that's going to be. He just had decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to start taking grad courses and you know, just have that extra graduate degree when I eventually do decide to stop playing hockey and just thinking about what else I may want to pursue once my hockey career is over. And so some of the guys do that. Uh, you know, we've had some guys stop playing hockey in the past because they want to go back to school. Other guys make it work with online courses. So Anthony's decided to do that. So a long winded answer, David, but I, I hope that answers your question uh, just because it, it really does depend on the player and what they like to do 
outside of practice. Uh, obviously, the COVID restrictions have kind of limited what some of the guys can do this year as opposed to years past. But uh, when when they're able to get out and about, they do like seeing the city that they're living in. Uh, there's been positive reviews about Knoxville, so uh, it's been pretty cool to to kind of see what these guys like to do in their free time. But golf and video games seems to be the most common answer for these guys, which I, I think is uh, really neat. Uh, so the next question, it's kind of going to be a two-parter because you got two different questions, but I'm going to combine them uh, for the same thing. Brett wants to know, I've often heard that Knoxville is the best place to play in the SPHL and all the players want to play here. Is this true? And if so, what is it? The money, the city, the organization, what separates the Knoxville Ice Bears from all other teams in the league? And then Russell also asked, who are truly the rowdiest fans in the SPHL? So, Brett, I'm going to start with you. I think what makes Knoxville really special is it's it's kind of a combination of the fan base, the commitment from the fan base, the passion from the fan base, but also the the rank size, in a sense, of the atmosphere that it creates for the players. And And to kind of give an example of that, You've got some teams that are able to fill up their barn a little bit more than others, but that might be because of rink size. So like Vermilion County, their their rink size is the smallest in the SPHL. It's only 2,300 people. They are the only team in the in the league that has a rink that is less than 4,000 people for total capacity. Now, they're only averaging about 1,600. So, but you know, that which doesn't sound like a very large crowd, but what that means is they can kind of make it kind of loud and intimate with their fans because it's it's such a small building that they can really start to get things rocking. Birmingham's kind of the same way. You know, their arena capacity is 4,100. They only get 2,300 on average throughout the course of the season, but they've got that low ceiling. It's small and compact. And so when Birmingham really starts getting loud, you can kind of feel it being there in the arena. Um, and then on the flip side of that, Evansville, Fayetteville, Quad City, and Peoria all of their capacities are over 9,000 people, but none of those teams average more than 3,000 in a season. Peoria's 25, Quad City's 21, Fayetteville's 26, Evansville is 25. Um, so they've got these really big arenas, but you know, teams with smaller ranks average more fans per game than those teams do. So you know, it 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 kind of makes it a little bit more hollow. And so I think what's nice about a blend with Knoxville is that Knoxville has an arena capacity of 5,000 people, technically 49.73, but a, sh- a share under, just a hair under 5,000. Knoxville's averaging over 3,400 people per home game this year, which right now is second in the league. So hats off to you, Knoxville fans. You've been bringing it this season. Second best attendance in terms of average fans per home game so far in the SPHL. Huntsville is in the lead, and they usually are. Part of that is because Huntsville is also in the same city as another Division One college hockey program with uh, Alabama Huntsville, the University of Alabama at Huntsville. Um, and, and so the fact that you've got both those hockey fan bases there, Huntsville and Knoxville have also been in the league for a long time. So seeing those two teams, the top two in the SPHL, they're the only two teams in the league that have participated in every year of the SPHL's existence. So it's not a surprise to see those two teams towards the top of the league, but it really goes to show because... Knoxville is also the only city in the SPHL that is that shares a town with a major Division One university with the University of Tennessee. And, and I'm not knocking, you know, Alabama Huntsville or Bradley University in Peoria or Mercer University in Macon, nothing like that. But, you know, I, none of those schools compare to what the University of Tennessee is to the city of Knoxville. So the fact that the Ice Bears are still bringing in great home crowds 
I, I think really goes to show. And and man, you guys, I'll, I'll, I said it in the last segment, I'll say it again. Ice Bears fans, you all brought it on Friday night. I, I wish we could have won that game just for the moment of how awesome it would have been. Again, that game's not going to define Knoxville's season. Uh, you know, you're you're often defined what you do in the playoffs, and Knoxville's been competitive in the postseason for the last several years. But, you know, I know you all are starving for a championship, but man, you all brought it for Preds Night on Friday. And I know the entire organization is thankful for each and every one of you for showing out and getting loud on Friday night because that was an awesome atmosphere. The players loved it. Coach Carr loved it. I loved calling a game in that atmosphere. I wish it could have ended with a game-winning goal for Knoxville instead of the other way around uh, because, man, what a, what a moment that would have been. Um, but it would have, it, it would have been really special. So I, I think that's kind of the combination of what makes it so special is that the fan base, the, the fan base has always been great. It's always been super supportive. Um, it's a professionally run organization. And, and, and here's the thing, president and general manager, Mike Murray has been very outspoken about wanting to update the facility. And, you know, that's a city building. There's only so much that the ice bears can really do about it. We got the new jumbotron. They got the bathrooms remodeled, but you know, Murr has has still been very outspoken about wanting to upgrade the facility as a whole. And so, yeah, you know what? Evansville and Quad City, they have the nicest facilities in in the SPHL, hands down. And, uh, you know, Evansville also shares that facility with the University of Evansville. And so the Ford Center, you, you know, you felt like you're in an AHL-type rink. I mean, I've got my own media press box. It, it's a great place to call a game. It's a phenomenal facility, but they don't really fill out that building a whole lot. You know, Fayetteville at Crown Coliseum, it's huge. It's awesome. But they they curtain off and block off certain sections of the arena that they just don't sell tickets for because they're, it's, it's not realistic for any team in the SPHL right now to be able to sell out a 9,000-seat arena. No team does it. There might be certain promotions where, you know, they try to just get everybody in the building for one night, but as far as averaging 9,000 people per game that just hasn't happened in the SPHL. So the fact that Knoxville's got an appropriately sized rink and arena for the fan base that it has, I think Knoxville does a really good job at supplying that atmosphere for the players. And it's been an organization that has had a lot of success. And again, I know we're all frustrated. The front office, myself included, the fans, players, coaches, everybody's frustrated that it's been a while since Knoxville has won a championship since 2015, but Knoxville is still the only team in the history of the SPHL that has been in the postseason every single year. Huntsville and Fayetteville have missed it. Every other team in the league right now has not been here for the entirety of the league's postseason, but Huntsville and Fayetteville have missed playoffs before. Um, Knoxville is not. And so even when Knoxville's had some down years, they have still been competing for championships by the time we get to April. And this looks like a team that still has a chance to legitimately compete for a president's cup title when we get to the playoffs in April. And, and so, you know, Knoxville has been competitive with Peoria. They have wins over Huntsville. And so I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're an ice bears fan, you agree, you feel like, yeah, obviously this last weekend wasn't great, but there are reasons to believe that, Knoxville can compete for a President's Cup this year. And so I, I think it's a lot of things. Just people love the city. They like coming to the South. And and now that the SPHL has expanded to the Midwest with three teams in Illinois and a team in Indiana, you know, players have kind of mentioned, you know, I really like the weather here. Like, I know I'm from Canada. Or I know I'm from Michigan. I know I'm from New York. But, man, I, I like coming to the South where it's a little bit warmer. Definitely appreciate that. So the city, the weather, the organization, it's a combination of all of it. And then the fan base. You guys... 
make it a good fan base. When Peter DeSalvo was here last season, um, you know, he had obviously spent a lot of time in other places. He was with Mississippi when the River Kings lost to the Ice Bears in the SPHL President's Cup Finals back in 2015. Uh, he was in Quad City the year before he came to Knoxville. He was back in Quad City this year before his release. But, you know, I asked him, you know, what do you feel about coming to the Ice Bears and playing for the first time as as a member of the team instead of an opponent? He's like, dude, I've always loved Knoxville. I've always loved to hear these fans are... You know, they're super loud. When we were here for that championship, there were 2,000 people in the stands for warm-ups. It was already obnoxiously loud. And you just know, like, man, th- this fan base is passionate. So uh, other other players have always said really positive things about the Ice Bears. And I, and I think it goes to the fans, the organization, the city, and the success that the program has had over the last two decades overall. So I really hope that answered your question, Brett. And then uh, Russell, who are the rowdiest fans in the NFL, in the SPHL NFL? I'm sorry, Super Bowl week, forgive me. But who are the, truly the rowdiest fans in the SPHL? It, it's a tough question. I, I want to give some credit to Quad City because I was there for the first time two weekends ago. They do a really good job at making some noise because they've got a big facility. Again, it's, it's over 9,000 capacity, but they average less than 3,000 per game. But because they get their fans rowdy with the cowbells, that really drives the noise. So, okay, maybe it's kind of cheating a little bit because most of them are using cowbells. I know we have some cowbell users in Knoxville, but it's not a an arena-wide thing where we're all promoting the cowbells. But Quad City does a good job at that because they get their fans to be really rowdy. Um, and, and their fans are nice, too. I, I thought they were really hospitable, um, which I appreciated. I had a row of fans using cowbells in front of me, um, and they kind of acknowledged, hey, we're sorry that we're loud, um, but... You know, we're, we're not going to we're going to try not to bug you or anything. And, and look, it was I couldn't hear myself calling the game at times because of where I'm set up in the concourse. But, um, you know, the Quad City fans were really nice. They were really friendly after they beat Knoxville on Saturday and they were just as friendly when Knoxville beat Quad City on Sunday. So um, they were very pleasant. Uh, they weren't, you know, trying to heckle me in the booth or anything. And I, I will not I won't say which fan base it was, but. There is one facility this year where I am in a booth behind the stands in, in the arena. And, you know, every time Knoxville was scored on, you know, as the road team, you know, these home fans are banging on the broadcast booth and everything and, you know, punching the wall that leads to the booth. That's the stuff that I, I don't really appreciate as much because, you know, banging on the broadcast booth and my table and everything that I'm set up, you know, that can ruin the broadcast that can cause the connection to go down like stuff like that. I'm, I'm not as uh, crazy about. So that's the stuff I try to avoid, but you know, quad city, all they did was get loud and they cheered for their team. You know, obviously they're heckling the refs. They're not happy with certain calls. If you know, Knoxville gets a power play against their team, but you know, nothing that I thought was inappropriate or anything like that. So I want to give some credit to quad city. Um, I, I really do think Knoxville's up there. I, I think Knoxville gets rowdy. They know how to get loud. I think the arena helps. I think when Birmingham is having success, I think the Bulls are able to just use that small arena to their advantage. I think Huntsville does a good job with their setup because, you know, they're at times they've got a, you know, they've got about a 6,700 uh, capacity arena and they do a good job, or I guess it's about 62. But, you know, they're averaging over 4,500 people per home game. So they do a really good job at getting rowdy and getting fired up for games. But I, I think what helps Knoxville is the space. So in terms of getting rowdy, um, you know, I'd, I'd put Quad City and Huntsville up there with Knoxville. And I, I think those are, the, those are the teams and the fan bases that really come to mind. Um, and, and so, 
obviously I'm, I've just named three teams that are having success this season. So maybe if I was going to different places at times when those teams were having success, I'm, I'm sure that maybe the answer would be different at different points in time, but that's kind of where my thought lies. I think Pensacola is really cool because they have me set up in the middle of the concourse. And so I've got a deck of fans behind me and a deck of fans below me. And so it's kind of neat to just feel the atmosphere when Pensacola scores a goal and how into it the fans get. So I think that's really neat. Um, and yeah, well, I'll get to revisit that again when we head back there uh, this upcoming weekend. And, and they do a pretty good job. I think they're third in the league in attendance right now. So, you know, they have fans showing up and, and they're not having the best regular season right now. They're still trying to climb up the standings. But, you know, that's still a team that you always have to be on the lookout for whenever you get to April. They know that that's when the real hockey starts if you're a team coached by Rod Aldoff. So I, I really hope that answered your question, Russell. Um, and I really appreciate the question. Thank you to everybody else that um, answer, uh, answer the post and ask questions this weekend. Again, maybe we'll do this again in the future. Um, so really appreciate it um, for uh, this episode of the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Again, Thursday night, 7.30. That is when uh, Knoxville is going to drop the puck for its only home game of the week against the Peoria Rivermen. It's a big game. Two teams that are in the top three in the SPHL standings. It's at home. It's the Cupid's Undy races. So be sure to dress up as Cupid, register for that. Also, if you've not heard this already, uh, there's going to be a new underwear drive, essentially. So, you know, if you want to bag up some underwear, kind of like what we do for the teddy bear toss, um, throw those onto the ice after Knoxville scores its first goal. Those are going to be donated to CARM, uh, so Knoxville Area Rescue Ministry. So be sure to bring some undergarments and, uh, you know, make sure to seal those up in, in some bags or, you know, some plasticware, something like that and then throw those bags onto the ice after Knoxville scores its first goal of the game. Uh, and all of that will be donated to people in need through Knoxville Area Rescue Ministries. Again, that is at 7.30. The pregame mixer is at 5.30 downstairs at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Tickets are available online at knoxvilleicebears.com or by calling 525-7825. Thank you again for checking out the KIB podcast. I'm Joel Silverberg. Until next time. Uh, it's presented by Field Pass Hockey, fieldpasshockey.com, the Field Pass Hockey mobile app. Thank you again to everybody, A, for just packing the Coliseum on Friday. You guys really are fantastic fans, the best fans in the SPHL. And, you know, there's a lot to back that up because you guys are sticking through it. You guys are ready. You guys are making every game feel like, hey, we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. You guys make it an awesome atmosphere. And when you've got players coming away from a game like that saying, Man, our fans are awesome, even after a loss. And, and believe me, the players were furious at the way that that game turned out. But to be able to then, you know, look look back and say, yeah, we've got, we're really fortunate to have a great fan base. I think that's what makes Knoxville one of the best places to play, if not the best place to play in the SPHL. And so also, thanks again for sharing your questions for the KIB podcast this week. Uh, be sure to be on the lookout to see if we do that again. Be happy to answer any questions. Of course, I'm at Joel Silverberg on Twitter. You can reach out to us at Ice Bears if you ever have any questions during the week in the future. Joel Silverberg, this has been the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey.